My name is Jacob Marsh and I will be reading 2 Peter chapter 3 verses 1 to 13. This is now the second letter that I am re writing to you, beloved. In both of them I am stirring up your sincere mind by way of reminder that you should remember the predictions of the holy prophets and the commandment of the Lord and Saviour through your apostles, knowing this first of all, that scoffers will come in the last days with scoffing, following their own sinful desires. They will say, where is the promise of his coming? For ever since the father fell asleep, all things are continuing as they were from the beginning of creation. For they deliberately overlook this fact, that the heavens existed long ago, and the earth was formed out of water and through water by the word of God. And that by means of these, the world that then existed was deluged with water and perished. But by the same word, the heavens and earth that now exist are stored up for fire, being kept until the day of judgment and destruction of the ungodly. But do not overlook this one fact, beloved, that with the Lord one day is, a thousand, is as a thousand years and a thousand years as one day. The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise, as some count slowness, but is patient towards you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief, and then the heavens will pass away with a roar, and the heavenly bodies will be burned up and dissolved, and the earth and the works that are done on it will be exposed. Since all these things are thus to be dissolved, what sort of people ought you to be in lives of holiness and godliness? Waiting for and hastening the coming of the day of God, because of which the heavens will be set on fire and dissolved, and the heavenly bodies will melt as they burn. But according to his promise, we are waiting for new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks, Jacob. Um, just to let you know, that, uh, after Tom speaks, we'll be doing a question time in a Zoom call. We'll put the link up at the end of that. But if you've got any questions uh, for Tom that occur to you as you're listening to him speak, uh, then write them down and um, yeah, you can join that Zoom chat at the end and uh, ask him anything that you want to know. All right, we're going to go across to Tom. G'day everyone. Welcome again to the Christian Union Blood. Of you who don't know me, my name's Tom Conyers. I'm one of the senior staff with the Christian Union at UWA. And I have the special responsibility of looking after a group for international students called FOCUS. In our Bible talk today, we'll be doing a topical study on one of the lines in our doctrinal statement. Christian Union is part of a nationwide network of university Christian clubs all over Australia. And the network is called the Australian Fellowship of Evangelical Students, AFES for short. AFES groups all over Australia are required to agree to a doctrinal statement outlining nine key Christian beliefs. If you would like to see all nine statements, 
You can check them out in the chat bar or go to the AFES website and read them there. Today, we'll be looking at the last of the nine statements in our doctrinal basis. The ninth statement says, AFES upholds belief in the expectation of the personal return of the Lord Jesus Christ. As we examine this topic, we'll jump all over the Bible, look at a few different passages. Uh, but to start us off, please get out your Bibles and open up to Acts chapter 1, verses 6 to 11. The context here is that Jesus has already been crucified and raised from the dead, and over a period of 40 days, he shows himself alive again to many witnesses. Then at the end of this 40-day period, this happens. Then they gathered around him and asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, It is not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. After he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes, and the cloud hid him from their sight. They were looking intently up into the sky as he was going, when suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside him. Men of Galilee, they said, why do you stand here looking into the sky? This same Jesus, who has been taken from you into heaven, will come back in the same way you have seen him go into heaven. This amazing scene is commonly known as the ascension for the very simple reason that Jesus literally ascended up into heaven. Now, something really important to note here, this scene is not describing Jesus dying again is not describing his soul going up to heaven while his body stays down here. No, this scene tells us about the resurrected Jesus physically going up into the sky until he was hidden behind a cloud. Jesus is still alive today. Jesus still has a physical human body today. If we could go into heaven right now, Jesus would be there. And as he sits on the throne, he can eat food. We could touch him. He is alive and fully human in his resurrection body. But after Jesus was taken up into heaven, we are given the promise that he will come back again. These two men in white, presumably angels, they appear to the disciples and they make this promise in verse 11. This same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way you have seen him go into heaven. Just like he went up to heaven in person, physically, with his resurrection body, well, in the same way, Jesus will return to this world physically in his resurrection body. That's why our doctrinal statement says, we expect the personal return of Jesus Christ. The return of Christ is not 
metaphorical. Like it's not this idea that somehow Jesus will return spiritually as if it was a prediction of global revival or some idea that the teachings of Jesus will return to our hearts and transform society. No, the Bible promises that Jesus himself will actually return physically in person. Now, does this sound crazy to you? Now, on the one hand, it's only possible to believe in the personal return of Jesus if you already believe that he really physically rose from the dead. If you don't believe that, then of course you won't believe in his personal return. If Jesus is dead, he won't be coming back anytime soon. But there is another reason why this belief might sound crazy. It's been 2,000 years since Jesus ascended into heaven. But he still hasn't come back yet. We're still waiting. Surely if he was really going to come back in person, surely it would have happened already. Please come with me now in your Bibles to 2 Peter chapter 3 and verses 3 and 4. Peter says to us, Above all, you must understand that in the last days, scoffers will come, scoffing and following their own evil desires. They will say, where is this coming he promised? Ever since our ancestors died, everything goes on as it has since the beginning of creation. Well, if people could scoff about the delay in Peter's day, of course we should expect that to continue in our day 2,000 years later. And it does. Perhaps you've seen T-shirts or bumper stickers with this slogan, Jesus is coming, look busy. Or perhaps you've heard about the Uber driver who thought it would be fun to change his name to Christ. This way he could send text messages like these. Christ is arriving soon in a Hyundai Elantra. And then when he turns up at their house, they get a message from Christ. I have arrived. At first, it might seem like a bit of harmless fun. But this kind of mockery really does suggest you'd have to be crazy to believe that Jesus will actually return. No one likes being mocked. And when we hear this kind of scoffing, it's very tempting to think to ourselves, they're probably right. Maybe Jesus never will return. Now, that's why the Apostle Peter is so concerned about this issue. He writes his letter because he is worried that pressure from scoffers might cause Christians like us to stop believing in Christ's return. And if we stop believing in Christ's return, we've basically stopped being Christians. If you stop looking forward to Christ's return, you've basically said, forget all that stuff about eternal life. This life is all there is. I'll just live for the here and now. I'll make the most of what little time I have left. But to be a Christian, that means waiting for the return of Christ and waiting for everything that's going to happen when that day comes. 
So what's going to happen when Christ returns? What is it that we are looking forward to? There's a lot of things that we could say. I'm going to limit myself to three things. Number one, the dead will be raised. Number two, the world will be judged. And number three, Christ's people will enjoy eternal life in the new creation. Let's look at each of those three in turn. Number one, the dead will rise. Please follow as I read from 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 20 to 23. But Christ has indeed been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For since death came through a man, the resurrection of the dead comes also through a man. For as in Adam all die, so in Christ all will be made alive. But each in turn, Christ the firstfruits, then when he comes, those who belong to him. Notice how Jesus is described as firstfruits. And the idea of firstfruits comes from the Old Testament. Whenever the Israelites would harvest their crops, they would start by taking a first portion of their produce and giving it to God. And then they could go back to their field and harvest the rest. Now, in the same way, the resurrection of Jesus is like that first fruits, that first portion. Jesus himself rose from the dead and then at a later time, the rest of the harvest will come in. That is, we are that harvest. We will be raised from the dead. But that will happen when Jesus returns. Jesus himself is the one who will raise us from the dead and give us resurrection bodies, just like Jesus has now. But if Jesus never returns, then this final resurrection will never happen. Our hope for eternal life depends entirely on the return of Christ actually happening. Number two, the world will be judged. Follow as I read from Revelation chapter 20, verses 11 to 15. Then I saw a great white throne and him who was seated on it. The earth and the heavens fled from his presence, and there was no place for them. And I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne, and books were opened. Another book was opened, which is the book of life. The dead were judged according to what they had done as recorded in the books. The sea gave up the dead that were in it, and death and Hades gave up the dead that were in them. And each person was judged according to what they had done. Then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. The lake of fire is the second death. Anyone whose name was not found written in the book of life was thrown into the lake of fire. Did you notice in that passage how all of our deeds are recorded? 
every dirty thought, every little secret, everything we have ever said or done. So when the world is judged, everything will be exposed for the whole world to see. It reminds me in 2015, July, there was a huge scandal that hit news headlines all over the world. It was about a website from a company called Ashley Madison. The Ashley Madison company existed to promote extramarital affairs. The idea was you could create an account and then find somebody else who wanted to have an affair and then the two of you could meet up and do your dirty business. And this website's very honest about the fact that this is why they exist. Look at the advertising. Ashley Madison, life is short, have an affair. And they boast of having 37 and a half million members. Every one of the people using this site thinks that their sin is secret, that it is safe. Look down at the bottom of their advertising how they boast about their security awards. Nobody's ever going to find out about what we have been up to, they think. Our sin is safe. Well, all those who had accounts thought that their sin was safe. That was until July 2015. A team of computer hackers got in to the Ashley Madison database and they published the whole thing for the world to see, the name of every user, the full account history of every user was published, put on the internet for everyone to see. Spouses who'd been cheated on found out. Celebrities were exposed. Politicians were exposed. Sadly, even some church pastors were exposed. See, the day when Jesus returns will be just like July 2015 all over again, but on a much bigger scale. Every secret, every sin, everything that has ever been done will be revealed for the universe to see. And I don't think that's restricted to the unbelievers who are condemned either. I think even for us who are Christians and who will be saved, I think even our sins will be shown for what they really are. I don't think we're going to get to heaven and then say to each other, gosh, I'm really glad no one ever found out about that thing that I did. No, I will see your sin in all its ugliness and you will see all of my sin in all of its ugliness. And for those of us who are saved, as our evil is exposed, the whole universe will know that we have been saved by the grace of Jesus Christ, by what he has done for us in dying on the cross for us. And we will, we will know and we will appreciate so much more what it is that Jesus has done. But for those who are not saved, who are not, do not have their sins paid for by Jesus, the universe will know their condemnation is deserved no one will be able to deny that God's justice and his judgment is right. Imagine a world where evil was never held to account, 
and the likes of Joseph Stalin and Adolf Hitler were never brought before God to be punished. But it's not just the famous examples of evil men like Stalin and Hitler. What if other everyday evils were not held to account? If every criminal got away with it, if every thief, every liar, every adulterer, every person who commits domestic violence, imagine a world where they were never held to account. Now, what would that say about God's character? Could God really be good if evil is never held to account? As Christians, it is right for us to long for the day when sin and evil is brought to an end. It's right for us to want justice to be done. The evil must be ended. Justice must be done. Otherwise, the goodness of God will be seriously in doubt. If Christ never returns, then the world never will be judged. Evil never will be made accountable. The wrongs never will be made right. The Christian hope for justice and the hope for evil to be destroyed depends entirely upon the personal return of Jesus Christ. The third thing that we have to look forward to when Christ returns is eternal life in the new creation. Look with me at Romans chapter 8 and verses 20 and 21. For the creation was subjected to frustration, not by its own choice, but by the will of the one who subjected it, in hope that the creation itself will be liberated from its bondage to decay and brought into the freedom and glory of the children of God. Some people think of eternal life as floating in the clouds as a non-physical spirit. But we've already seen that when Jesus returns, we will be physically raised from the dead. Now, if we're going to have physical resurrection bodies, we're going to need a physical world to live in. And that's exactly what the Bible promises. The creation itself will be reborn and made new. When Jesus returns, he will recreate the world for us to live in. We can enjoy the taste of good food, the sight, the smells of beautiful flowers, the sound of good music, and the touch of a good hug with people that we love. And life in this new creation, it will be wonderful. It will be a life with no more evil, no more suffering, no more sadness, no more conflict. Our relationships with each other will be relationships of perfect love as we delight and rejoice in every other person that God has saved. But the thing that will really make the new creation so good is that Jesus himself will be there. Jesus himself will wipe every tear from our eyes and we will see his face. Even if the world could be made new without Jesus coming back, if Jesus never returns in person, it just won't be paradise. The new creation will be filled with joy, not because of the eternal supply of great food, as good as that sounds, 
No, we'll be filled with joy because Jesus will be there with us. And he will be rejoicing over us and rejoicing with us. The thought of a future like this fills my heart with absolute joy. But is it real? If this was really going to happen, surely Jesus would have returned by now. If he's really coming back, what good reason could he possibly have for waiting so long? We turn now to our final Bible passage for today. We've already looked at 2 Peter chapter 3. Now we're back there again, this time in verse 9. Please follow along as I read. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. God's desire is for all people to repent and be saved. But there is a difference between God's desire, that is what he enjoys, and God's plan. God does not enjoy condemning the wicked. In fact, he takes enormous delight in saving us and bringing us back to himself. But God's plan still includes many things that God does not enjoy. And God's plan does include the condemnation of the wicked, sinners who will not repent. Perhaps the best example to illustrate this idea is the crucifixion of Jesus. Did God desire the death of his one and only son? Did God enjoy seeing his son crucified and tortured? No, that is the last thing that God would ever want to happen. But God is so committed to us and to our salvation that he was willing to send his one and only son whom he loves to die for us, to save us. God did not desire the cross, but out of his love for us, he did plan it. Now, just like the cross shows us how committed God is to our salvation, well, in the same way, God's patience in delaying the day when Jesus returns, it again shows us how committed God is to saving more and more and more people. God allows our sin and our evil to continue for a time so that more might be saved for all of eternity. However, the time is coming when this window of opportunity will come to an end. Jesus will return and then the doors to the kingdom of God will be closed once and for all. So until that day when Christ returns, let me urge you, use this opportunity to call other people to put their faith in Jesus Christ and to wait for his coming again. After all, that's the reason we're still here. So be bold in telling your friends and telling your family about the good news that Jesus Christ is king and that he will come again. But also let me urge you, don't stop believing for yourself. Don't stop believing in the personal return of Jesus Christ. 
Don't let the scoffers put you off. Because to stop believing in the personal return of Jesus is to stop being a Christian. So please don't give up. Don't settle for the short and fleeting things of this life. Fix your eyes on eternal things and that glorious day when Jesus will return and make all things new.